0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart podcast, episode 92. At least I think it's 92. I'm your host, Derek Moore. With me today, uh, back, uh, second appearance on the program is Spencer Wright
1: from Halbert Worth uh, Management. Uh, Spencer, how are you doing today? Uh, Doing fine, Derek. Thanks very much. Actually, let's back up. It's Halbert Wealth Management.
0: Yeah. Normally, we, we would just sort of Cut this and re-record it, but what the heck? We're <laughs> well, Spencer. Good to have you back on today. Of course, uh, you were with us on the program back uh, all the way back to episode. Uh, I think it's eighty-eight, which is uh, the October sixth one. Um, I have eighty-eight now. It's actually uh, it was longer than that.
1: August, August, August thirty. I think was that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that would have been episode uh, eighty-three. So we'll post a. A link in the show notes there and certainly check that out. You know, in that one we focused in, and what we won't do today is focus too much on the historical markets. We did a lot of that. And I think if if people go back and listen to that, there were some fascinating finds in there, both from a historical standpoint, what happens when one party is in power versus another from a market standpoint, and some surprising returns by presidents, but you gotta listen to the episode to to sort of cover that. Um, and then, you know, today I thought what we do is this is going to be one of those where uh, if you listen to it next week, we could be completely off, but <laughs> we could be really right in our interpretation of what we're seeing. So we're not political pundits, you know, we're in, in the investment world. Um, but there's there's really two things at play here, Spencer. There's the Senate and there's the presidency. I want to start with the Senate. sure. And so let's sort of start with there are Uh, We use a map called 270 to win, and and they have some consensus estimates in there. And if you pull up the map, it's either light blue, dark blue, light red, dark red. And it's saying, right now, the consensus is 48 to 46. And those of you who have taken a history class probably say, well, that's not 100 senators. So, Spencer, where are the contested races, and do we have thoughts on those? Let's start there. What state do you want to start with? Let's start with North Carolina. Oh, okay. North Carolina. I don't know why I said, oh, but yeah, let's, let's do that.
1: Yeah. That, that one is the most, um, I think the most media worthy. I think people may be more aware of that one if you weren't native to the region, uh, because of the sums that have been dumped into this race on behalf of the, uh, of the Democrats. Uh, they are, um, I think upwards now uh, close to 150 or 160 million uh, total spent, marking it as the most expensive Senate race uh, in history, uh, I believe, and um, you know a, a, a multiple of what uh, Tillis, the uh, the GOP candidate, was able to to muster. And this looked a long time like the Democrats were going to poach this seat. Um, not just on the basis of the uh, their fundraising advantage on the basis of the fact that Tillis has been sort of milquetoast. He's not terribly exciting, not overly charismatic. Um, I think he's liked okay in North Carolina, but um, you know, but the challenger had positioned himself to at least be as acceptable, I think to the voters as Tillis, but as often happens, uh, there has been a uh, a scandal that uh, may have shifted uh, the electorate slightly back toward Tillis, uh, but I think this is one to watch. And I think uh, the performance, whether Tillis returns or not in North Carolina could, could make the difference on whether or not the GOP manages to hold the Senate right now based on, you know, polling and things that Derek and I look at, um, religiously because, you know, there's just something wrong with us. Um, uh, Tillis probably is going to squeak this out, uh, barely, uh, but it's going to be very close either way. And Tillis may win. If Trump does well in North Carolina, I don't know if it's going to be enough uh, if there'll be any coattails, if you will, to pull, to pull us up. But I think that, uh, this is a big race, uh, the race in North Carolina, Derek.
0: Well, just looking at some of the polls, uh, there's a couple things that I see. Number one is, um, the recent polls, um, Cunningham had a 49, 45, uh, Cunningham, of course, is the, the, can- the democratic candidate, which would be plus four, but, um, you know, close to 50%, but there is on that poll uh, 6% that is not in there. Another one I see 46, 43, Cunningham plus three. Uh, we've seen, you know, some some recent polls, uh, you know, have it the other way. Um, I got to be honest, I, I could flip a coin on
1: this one. Right. So if you want to say Tillis. It's going to be very close. If it, if it is Tillis, it's going to be Tillis by a, a percent or less it's going to be very very close
0: i think i would agree with that um i
1: i guess i got to make a a prediction um i i I think you know what um i i'd i'd be willing to give this one to tillis because there are other races that are close that i think that the democrats are going to take i think we can we can safely not safely but i think just as a matter of of argument mm, let tell us keep this seat because there are other places where I think the GOP is not going to be as fortunate.
0: Okay, so for for this one, let me go to my two seventy to win map. I'm going to make North Carolina lightest the lightest red I could find for now, right? Right. Um, and then we'll, and that makes it forty eight forty seven. We have more to go. Where do you want to go next, Spencer? Let's go to Michigan. Wait a second, Michigan according to two seventy to win is light blue. Right. Uh, Uh, Where?
1: And and the reason I want to go to Michigan is because, um, uh, you know, Debbie Stabenow is up against uh, James again. And last time um, in, in, in the mid year uh, she, you know, James lost to her uh, and Stabenow has been historically a bit of a force in, in Michigan. And I know that a lot of the polls have her um, somewhat ahead currently. However, uh, there is a group um, you may be familiar with. I know, in fact, I know you are. Other, others may be familiar with, called the Trafalgar Polling Group, that um, in recent days, um, in the last week or so, has had James with a narrow edge. Now, does that mean that he's really ahead? Well, we don't know. Um, you know, polling is not predictive necessarily; it's a snapshot in time and uh, it just tells you what's going on right then uh, what you want to find there are a series of polls that may indicate maybe some kind of trend is going on and in this case um you know there's a chance um that james wins this race and i, I just wanted to highlight that that you know if if as uh, a real possibility that uh, the that james does take this seat um and uh you know that's uh that's possible. What is probable right now, according to all the polls, is that Stabenow is going to win. But Michigan's another one to watch. It's going to be very close. Right now, we can leave it light blue uh, and assume that Stabenow will win the day, if be it narrowly. But that's one to watch. They'll be surprised, or Peters, right? Peters, Peters is the I'm, one. I'm, I'm yeah. say, I, saying, <laughs> I, I have Debbie Stabenow on the mind. It's uh, it's uh, <laughs> the it's, other it's, one. Yeah, yeah Peters,
0: Peters. Peters in this race. Yeah, right, right, right.
1: Stabenow so you last mean, time. And now now Haley. You know the knock on on Trafalgar. By the way, talking a brief aside is that he's some sort of a GOP shill. As all of his polls seem to favor Republicans, it's not so. In the off-year elections, uh, in in 2018, you know uh, James tried to run against Stabenow and uh, he said that uh James would lose. Uh in fact called many many races for the Democrats uh in that in in that cycle and and was largely correct. So um I think
0: you bring up a good point though Spencer and that's you know all these polls and so 538 uh, and I'll, I'll link to some things in from 538. They they sort of grade the polls. And so if you and I put a you know a, a fee for what's what's the uh, survey monkey right so if you pay a fee and and I put a throw that in reddit somewhere and take a poll that that's going to be a, an absolute garbage poll it's going to be an F poll and it's not going to be weighted but they weight these polls they also grade them and I think they grade Trafalgar uh, either b minus or c plus but what they do is they look at these polls and they say is there a a a bend or a bias in the poll and I think last time it was like 0.8 uh, points, uh, you know, Republican, Trafalgar. And there's other ones that are, you know, 0.8 uh, Democratic. But uh, just to give the, the audience some numbers here, um, this poll that you're referencing uh, was taking uh, the Michigan poll, October 2020, uh, 48 John James, Gary Peters, 46.6, someone else, 2.8, undecided 2.5. So that's 48 to 46.6. That's the one you're referencing. And so if that's right, and everybody else is wrong. Uh, the GOP would win a seat that no one is counting on right now.
1: That's right that 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 comes out of the that comes out of the uh, out of the woodwork. I mean, no one's expecting James to win, honestly, uh, with a very rare exception. And if that does transpire, then that can help offset a potential very narrow Tillis loss uh, in North in North Carolina.
0: Let's go to uh, let's go to Maine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you want to go to Maine? That's sure, a tough no, Maine,
1: one. Maine, I think Maine uh is very uh is very good to look at it in this context.
0: So Maine is uh Sarah Gideon, is the Democratic candidate. Susan Collins is the incumbent Republican. She's been there for long time. Many years. Um the last, I think. It, 97 years? No, no. No, no. She's been there since, <laughs> since ninety seven. 97. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it was Strom Thurmond who was in the Senate for uh, yeah, the, o- the older folks might remember that Strom. That's but right. so I've got uh, I, I pulled up uh, an Augusta, Maine newspaper, and, and it looks like uh, they're nearly tied in in a poll. Um, although they they've got a ranked choice system there, meaning you you could put a third party candidate, and if that candidate doesn't get you know. Doesn't isn't in, the, in the top two, then it defaults to the second choice. But they've got this split, and I assume the Augusta. This is the Bangor Daily News uh, saying it's tied.
1: What it say you, Spencer? Uh, I think that uh, that's probably very much the case. Uh, I think Collins has, um, you know, she was very slow um, to uh, endorse Justice Barrett in and, and the last round of confirmations. Uh, her position in Maine has always been curious. Um, you know, she's a Republican Senator from a historically, uh, on balance, um, moderate to moderate left Democrat state. Um, and so she has you know, quite a line to walk. And, uh, this time it looks like that, you know, this is the, f- not the first credible challenger that Collins has ever faced, but I think this is the toughest race she's ever been in, uh, in her, her tenure in the Senate. Um, I think there's a real chance that, um, that the Democrats end up with this seat in Maine. I agree. And and I, I, I think that Collins, um, probably loses this seat if, if narrowly, but I, I think this is a, is a, uh, is a Democrat pickup.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, and I, honestly, I could go either way here. I could have gone either way in North Carolina since I, I agreed with you with Tillis, I'll agree with you here. And honestly, if, if I'm right or wrong in one of them, uh, then maybe it blends out. But I also think that, you know, um. I, here, I'm going <laughs> to judge Judy. We all know who Judge Judy is. Uh, I remember years ago, she was on with Larry King and um, they were asking about, you know, who she was going to vote for. I can't even remember what. And she said, you know what it is with politicians and, and government officials? Sometimes it's like a restaurant. It used to, you go there, you really like it, everybody's happy. And then, then a new restaurant opens up, but maybe the old restaurant, you know, the service starts to get a little bit, a little bit worse off. Maybe they change the ingredients and they say, you know what, I'm going to try something new for a while. I think that could be the case here. I think she's been there for a while. Um, they've got that ranked choice. And one of the, the Augusta uh, or the Bangor Daily newspaper did mention that people who are voting for third parties also favor Gideon. So, um, all right. So if we go to that, we've got Democrats at 49, Republicans 47. It means we still have four. And by the way, I should mention, you know, we're... Um, I'll just mention real quick. There's no. I think Doug Jones. Both of us agree he loses in Alabama. That's a. It's uh, a Tommy Tuberville. Um, I think uh, so. We didn't really talk about that one, but that that is, that would be a flip to the GOP from the Democrats. Um, do you want to go? Uh, let's talk about Georgia. Now Georgia is interesting. I, I was going to say Georgia should probably be next. So just set the the stage here there's going to be two elections, not one. So this one is not necessarily going to decide it. You've got three candidates and Doug Collins, Kelly Loeffler uh, from the GOP, Raphael uh, Warnock from uh, uh, the Democratic side. And if nobody gets 50%, the two highest candidates do sort of a runoff. So the, the idea is you got two GOPs, they'll probably split some vote. Um, and then they'll, so I don't know. It's really the second election that we're going to be.
1: Yeah. Georgia's a real mess this go around, uh, given, given this, uh, um, you know, tiered, uh, uh event they have going on. That, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the GOP vote is in danger of splitting. Um, ultimately, who knows what happens in Georgia? Um, I, I think there's a, a real chance that, um, uh, you didn't mention, um, David Perdue, um, is up against John Ossoff.
0: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So one of them is a special election. One of them is a normal election. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Loss off Purdue is probably the one we have to address first. Then, right, you're right. That, right. that one's going to come come on election night. Uh,
1: I you have to go. I think I think Purdue. Um. I I I I think I think Purdue has a has a reasonable chance uh, here.
0: Let's take a look at the polls. I'm I'm curious on uh, the Senate polls, and I and I use Real Clear.
1: Uh, yeah, their average for, for, for Senate is probably the best. Yeah. So if
0: we go to uh, to the latest polls, and let me see if I can pull one up here. So Georgia, let's see, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, do you see a, a recent Georgia yeah, one?
1: Per, it's basically tied right now. Yeah, uh, I think you're the right. The aggregate has Purdue up a fraction. Uh, you know, it's a toss-up. Um I think just giving historical voting patterns uh in Georgia uh I think if if Purdue you know keeps the race basically even in the polls going into election day that uh, there'll be enough of uncalculated, if you will, Purdue vote to put him to put him uh, in office again, okay. He is
0: the incumbent and the incumbency, uh, normally has an advantage. Uh, so if we give that one to him, the special election, uh, so the, the, the path for the Democrats to win here, I think is, uh, you know, the Democrat gets over 50% and it's done.
1: Well, you know, you've got Leffler is, uh, Leffler and Collins are going are duking it out for a GOP vote, and the question, you know, is does Collins um, act as a spoiler uh, and allow uh, Warnock um, to win?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, that one. You know what? If if that happened, it would surprise me. But the math is. You know, by all right, and I get the—they have the system. The system is the system, but right. um, from a, a party standpoint, Democrats or Republicans, they—they uh, they easily could have, uh, you know, circled around one of the two. I don't know. I mean, I guess,
1: what are we at now? We're at 40, forty-nine, yeah. forty-eight. I, I think that ultimately, I mean, if I just had to guess, and it is a guess, of course, but I, I have to think that that uh, that Loeffler ends up. Uh, coming out of the whole thing on top.
0: Okay. So that makes it 4949. I do want to cover Arizona really quick. Now Arizona oh, 271 no. has Mark Kelly. Yeah. Um, lately there's been uh and so this is where the the Trafalgar poll, mm-hmm. um, which has uh let me see if I have an Arizona one. I don't know if he's put out a, a more recent one. But he's he has Mark Kelly in the lead. Um he has it narrowing but I live in Arizona, and right. one of the things I, I shared with you is that um, I have talked to some people, and they've told me, you know, they'll vote for Trump, uh, but they're not voting for McSally. And so I have no scientific evidence, but on that alone, I, I think Kelly wins the state. Um, I'll affirm that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't live there. You do. You're on the ground. I've seen, obviously, don't have a lot of exposure to Martha McSally. I've seen... I've watched campaign events of hers. Um, uh, I have to say, I don't think that she is particularly engaging, though that's not everything. But it, it does matter. Uh, apparently, you know, she did. This is her second bite at the apple. Let's not forget. Uh, you know, she did lose to Christian Cinema uh, last time, and uh, she is um, apparently running the same campaign uh, that didn't work last time.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, By the way, if you want to get familiar with uh, either of these candidates, all you need to do is uh, come over to Arizona, go into anyone's house, turn on any TV, (laughs) on any channel, and you'll learn all about them. Because, oh, my, it's just commercial after commercial. Oh, I'm sure. My son at this point is reciting the bullet points. So Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm uh, I'm sure it's terrible
0: yeah um, but i'm gonna i'm gonna say that um i i don't think at this point there's uh, i know okay. Trafalgar has a closing his latest poll was forty seven point three to forty five point four which I means think, there's some I, undecideds but yeah i think
1: she loses again
0: yeah and cinema ran a, a great campaign pretty yeah. flawless uh you know against her okay um Colorado is blue that's uh Cory gardner um yeah uh, that's. I mean, I I say it's blue because uh, the consensus is blue. I sure. I don't know unless Trump were to pull off an upset win in Nevada.
1: Well, let, um, let's consider. You know, he's running against Hickenlooper. Okay, the former governor, mm-hmm. former er, you know erstwhile <coughs> presidential candidate. Um, uh, you know, does you know Gardner is the uh, GOP incumbent, um. You know, Colorado on election night, probably in the Biden column. I think it's pretty safe to say that. But uh, does you know where does Gardner fall? Well, uh, the polls seem to say, as you point out, that it's um, it's close um, for uh, for Gardner at this point. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I I. I This is one of those races where, um, you know, it's probably leaning toward uh, the Democrats at this point. Um, This is a tough one for me. Uh, What do you think? Yeah,
0: I think it's probably uh, Colorado seems to be trending more and more. We'll call it blue. The polls recently, there's not a lot of polls that have come out from here. Honestly, I'm looking at Real Clear Politics. There was one, October first, October fifth. They all have uh, Hickenlooper plus eight plus nine. Yeah, I think we, I think we stick uh, him in there. We haven't made any changes. It's still forty nine
1: forty nine. Because yeah, uh, I, I, I think I think this is uh, this uh, Hickenlooper probably takes this. Even if you reduce that margin, you know uh, that's a lot of ground to be made up. Uh, through coattails and and just through narrowing of vote as you approach election day. Um, I think probably this is uh this this is a pickup for the Democrats.
0: Yeah. So Jones and uh Alabama and this one sort of cross each other out if you wanna although <laughs> there's another, you know, there's a couple that cross each other out here or there. Okay. So let let me go over to uh should we do
1: Iowa? Let's do Iowa. Iowa, Iowa I think, yeah.
0: So Iowa, let's see who the, the candidates here are Teresa Greenfield and Joni Ernst. Joni Ernst is a Republican incumbent. And this one is uh I'll just give you some of the latest polls. The the real clear politics average has Greenfield plus one. As we all know, that's uh that means it's pretty much a toss-up. And polls have been anywhere from Ernst plus two, Greenfield plus two plus five, you know. Um I don't know. I'm, I tend to believe here. I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, nothing else. A, a toss-up race where you've got an incumbent. Um, I'm inclined to to give this one to Ernst. But what say you?
1: As am I. I mean, the power of incumbency, uh, as we both know, is substantial. And if you're in a a margin, that's why I'm willing to give you know the race to Purdue and and Georgia because he is the incumbent and it's basically a statistical tie, I think that favors the incumbent uh, going into election day. And I think the same thing applies here in Iowa. Uh, If Greenfield were ahead by four or five points, that would be a different story. Um, But I think Ernst, you know, it's depending what poll you look at, it's Greenfield plus one, it's tied, it's Ernst plus one. That tells you it's, you know, it's a coin flip. And I think that those scenarios um, favor the incumbents because the the Challenger has not managed to to really um uh, people walk into that voting booth on on election day and they think, "Well, you know what's my argument for switching to Greenfield from Ernst, and if it's you know a coin flip more often than not, they're going to stick with the incumbent
0: yeah, the power of incumbency is is, uh, is huge is pretty strong when we get to the thirteen keys again for Biden versus Trump, we'll talk about that, yeah speaking of incumbency. Uh, our last state that we have to talk about is incumbent Steve Daines, Republican against Steve Bullock, the Battle yeah. of the Steves. Yeah. <laughs> Montana.
1: Steve Wars.
0: Uh, yeah. This one is, uh, it's interesting. You pull this up. Um, the the most recent one, the best one for Steve Bullock is a tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Daines plus 3.3. 3. Um, I'll let you start with this one. I, I know where you know, I'm Montana, leading Montana. Montana,
1: uh, you know, historically you look at it Uh, And and it is, you know, in in general elections nationally, it's reliably, um, you know, uh, in the GOP uh, column, um, you know, year, you know, election after election, cycle after cycle. So um, any Democrat, I think, is going to struggle to be elected in uh, Montana. Having said all of that, Bullock has done an amazing job. In being positioned where he is, mm-hmm. um, and that is to say, within margin of error uh, in in most polls of uh, of Danes, who is the Republican incumbent.
0: So, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's it's definitely now their other senator is. Uh, I will say, I mean, this is where you know you just mentioned not as familiar with Arizona. I'm not as familiar with Montana, and I think a lot of the Senate races there there's there's a locality feature. Sure. Uh, that's not present in, in some other states, whether it be the industry, the farming. Um, but no, I, I'd agree. I mean, it, it, when you mentioned margin of error for the listeners, that means these polls typically have a standard deviation of error, you know, plus or minus a few percentage points. So somebody who's up three points could be even, could be down a tiny bit, you know, it's. Right. And
1: for Danes not to be running away with this race by seven, eight, nine points. um, Means it might be a little bit of a contest. Uh, again, these things are often as dis- is, is all you know. It's it's trite to say it's decided on turnout, which obviously every election in history has decided on turnout. Um, but uh, you know, Bullock is putting up quite a show here, and could this be a surprise? I doubt it because once again, uh, Danes is the incumbent, and with him even being ahead even by margin of error in the polls going into election day. You have to think that's probably a Dane's win.
0: I'd agree. I think uh, I think the polls have been favorable to him. Um, the power—I'm going to go with the power of incumbency. It's kind of like uh, you're from, from Texas. There's a little team called the the Texas Longhorns. I imagine when you when you can have a packed stadium, it's much tougher to play at that stadium you know, Notre Dame has to come in there versus going to Notre Dame. So I'll go Danes here as well. And if, if we, if we do that, um, it becomes 51 to 49 Democrats. Now people will listen to this in in a week and say, these guys were totally off, but I think the, what could upset this? Um, I think the, the Georgia thing, maybe there's something, an angle we're not seeing. I think North Carolina, um, And then you also, you know, you could have some of the races go the opposite way. Maybe James
1: does pull it out in Michigan. Here's where, um, here's where a, you know, Trump coattails could have an effect if, if there are any is in very close races. If Trump had substantial coattails that could be to the benefit of James and McSally, though I don't think anyone can save the McSally campaign at this point. Um, James, however, is very viable. Um, And he could actually win. And if he did so, it's going to be very close.
0: It's also, there's a good likelihood it winds up 50-50, in which case, as we'll get to the presidency in a second, it's, uh, uh, of course, the vice president would break any tie there, so um, so yeah, all right, so i I think it's fifty fifty or it's fifty one forty nine and if it's fifty three Democrats versus uh, forty seven Republicans, then you know is it outside the margin of air? of course not, that could no. happen as well,
1: but it, it, it could that could happen, but any of these incumbency retentions are are likely. Uh, with the exception um, of you know, North Carolina, uh, I still think that's likely. But keep in mind, we're talking about margins that are going to be decided by a percent or less. Very likely.
0: Yeah. I think
1: we easily see a 50-50 split here. I think that honestly is one of the more likely outcomes is that yeah. we will see a 50-50 split with whomever is VP uh, breaking the tie.
0: Well, let's transition to the the big race, as they say. And, you know, we we went over the 13 keys to the White House. I thought maybe we'd start there, see if there's any changes to those keys. Uh, listeners may remember, if you listened to to that episode, uh, the 13 keys was a system devised by Professor Alan Lickman. I believe he's from American University. He's written a book by that name. And his, his deal was, um, it, it kind of is you know there's there's all these adages for a while it was was an nfc team did they win the super bowl then you have a republican president or uh it's the economy stupid was what uh, quotes i'll put that in quotes that's what the clinton campaign used to say but what he did was he had these 13 keys he said don't look at the polls don't look at the, the pundits just look at these factors so um the keys uh we'll go through them real quick and and there's some that are really easy and the way this works is there's 13 keys uh, Lickman says, if, uh, was it six or more are false, six or more of the keys are false, meaning in this case, they're for Biden, then the incumbent loses, and that's Trump. So uh, some of the easy ones are, is, is the current president the incumbent? Well, obviously, that's that's Jack. correct. <laughs> uh, no third party candidate predicted with greater than 5% of the vote. Um, I think that's interesting. True. Yeah, that's true. Interestingly enough, last time Professor Lichtman gave this one uh, to Trump, meaning it was false for Hillary Clinton because mm-hmm. um, Gary Johnson was getting you know polling like eight to ten percent at the time. Right. Um, no party contested income. I mean, no, nobody from his own party ran against Trump. Um, that's true. Yep. Nobody did that. Uh, midterm gains in the House. Um, that's false. Correct. Meaning uh, Democrats. Took more seats, gained more ground in the House. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we come to let's see if I can. No, those are really the subject the the ones that there's no no debate over. Um, then we get to the incumbent administration affects major policy change. Last time, uh, we sort of both agreed this is true, and we pointed to the uh, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, right?
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So we'll, we agree on that. We think that's, that's a policy change. Yes. Uh, No scandal. That's, (laughs) well,
1: (laughs) that's got to be,
0: that's false. Yeah. That's false. Um, And I know some, some people in some camps might argue that it was, should have been a scandal. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Well, yeah. It's, there was scandal. Yeah. Which I think going forward is just going to be the case for every candidate. It seems to be the...
1: Probably. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we may be hitting a new norm of, uh, of scandalization.
0: Yeah. Uh, we come to uh, no social unrest. Uh, that's false. Correct. Uh, I think you would agree. That goes into Biden. And then we come to the... There's two militaries, and I'll read them both, and we can kind of talk about those. No foreign military failure and foreign military success. hmm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trump had any military failures, right?
1: No, no. Uh not at all. There have been no military failures. And so you have to give that one uh to Trump.
0: All right. So here's one, uh, foreign military success. And Professor Lichtman, I believe, gave, uh said this was false. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I originally last time I said this was false, but I also made the caveat, like, should, should you just go start a war so you can make it true? Like, it seems like you should get credit right. for not getting us into that. And then there's the ISIS question too. So talk Absolutely. about that, Spencer.
1: Yeah, I, I think that in this case, when you consider that, um, you know, uh, the Trump administration did prosecute a successful effort against the ISIS caliphate and uh, you know, the caliphate is now um, you know, non-existent. That's a success. I think it is also a success that um, we are not involved in some new foreign adventurism. We're not involved in some new conflict, some new entanglement. Uh, I don't understand why it's, uh, it's a, a point in the favor of any administration uh, to prosecute a successful uh, military action, uh, you know, by this reckoning, if you were to apply this, like look back and apply it retroactively, let's go back to Eisenhower back in the fifties. You know, peace and prosperity. Um, you know, this would, would have been negative on Eisenhower's record uh, throughout the course of his administration. Um, and I think that you know, I, I think you have to consider the absence of conflict as success.
0: I think the counterpoint to that, and I, I, I sort of agree with you here. And I think it's, uh, um, like Vietnam, if we were doing this for Lyndon Johnson, we would say it's probably, you know, probably not a success, but if he had done like success that like George H. Bush after the first Iraq war, like his his approval rating was through the roof. 90%. And maybe that's what Lickman is getting at, that if you have some big success like that, that the country gets behind and and feeds into the narrative or the opinion. So maybe that's what he was getting at. But I agree. It seems like it'd be a good idea not to start a bunch of, as you say, adventurous entanglements that uh, get us mired up somewhere. So, um, But don't you think Lickman was probably... Thinking the of that, you know the the ticker tape parade, yeah.
1: That that's you know that certainly that certainly does does boost one's profile. Although <laughs> it it didn't seem to do a lot of long term good for for George H. W. Um,
0: it, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, um, there, there, as that, you and
1: I both know, there are a lot of extenuating reasons as to why that turned out the way it did. Yeah, going to that here, but but you know it 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 wasn't enough, certainly.
0: Well, I think even Bill Clinton, I mean, it, it, for most of his eight years, besides the, uh, you know, the Milosevic's, uh, the Balkans, mm-hmm. the NATO operations, uh, which were not ground operations, but besides that, it was a pretty benign, peaceful eight years. Right. So if, if we were doing this on Clinton, um, you could give him the, the, the true for the Balkans operation. But would that mean we would take something away from him if, if eight years went by? Just like...
1: Right right uh you know clinton only acted through nato he there wasn't unilateral u.s action etc etc and so uh you know according to lickman here that 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 would be those were arguably i suppose successful uh achieved the goal set out and that's a positive for him i don't think that honestly that in that case and i remember this era well as i know you do that you could, I, I don't think anyone reelected liked Bill Clinton in 1996 based on the outcome of the conflict in Kosovo.
0: No, it was the economy. Yeah. And they said it. It was yeah. the economy. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh... So this is an interesting one. And it, this is one where if, if you point to the ISIS campaign um, and sort of that success, then you give this to Trump. If you don't think that was enough, you probably give this to Biden because I don't think there's a unfortunately getting into no wars is uh right um, but well, this by, one's by,
1: by the strict application of the keys um it has to go to biden
0: by the strict application okay
1: i mean, I mean if, if, if you assume that that uh, you know these are to an extent subjective but the fact that there hasn't been um if you want to include the the eradication of the caliphate uh in that regard Uh, as the one of the keys and then we're talking about um, you know as far for military failures and successes um i i i think that um to achieve a major success is that a major success getting rid of the caliphate i would argue that it is but i mean i I get the impression that you don't agree
0: okay we'll come back to this one because it might be a tiebreaker but maybe not okay and then we have uh uh, these are two that are completely subjective. So there's charismatic incumbent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one's for Trump. I wouldn't say Biden is overly charismatic right. <laughs> or a national hero. That's the other part. He could be a national hero. Right. So like, right. you know, MacArthur, Eisenhower. Um, and then, uh, charis- so we have charismatic incumbent, uncharismatic uncharism- challengers. So we right. give that one to Trump. Um, this one, we both thought, uh, like Trump or not, that he's charismatic. Uh, Professor Lickman sure. uh, did not put him. And I did some research. I think he said he reserved this one for somebody like Reagan or Kennedy or Roosevelt. Um, this one to me is
1: very subjective, though. Right. I Well, in, in that case, I, I understand. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, obviously Obama would have fit into this uh, category as well. Um I – look, no matter what anyone may think of Trump, you can't deny the fact that the man is able to electrify uh, a crowd and has an element of uh, uh, charisma. Um, well, think of it this way. If if you
0: look at – so John Kerry, uh, Michael Dukakis, uncharismatic. Correct. Um, and the lesson there for anyone running for office, uh, don't put a helmet on that's too big for you and <laughs> ride around in a tank. Uh, you can Google that. Yeah. Uh, President Obama, yes, I would say he's charismatic. I think Trump mm-hmm. is charismatic. I think, sure. so we we might be looking at this differently. you know. And, and I, I said charismatic incumbent or a national hero. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, I had this true for... For Trump, uh, if we Mm -hmm. move it to Biden, it changes things. Let's get the economy, though, and we'll see if these matter. So short-term economy, meaning the economy is not in a recession during the election campaign. I I say this is Biden, clearly. We had a recession. Right. Um, This one, though, and we've talked about this offline. Mm -hmm. uh, So his strong, long-term economy, and when you read the strict definition of this, it was a little bit unclear for me, so I'll read it, and then we can discuss so real per capita economic growth, so that's the GDP divided by the population uh, is your uh, you know GDP per capita. real per capita economic growth during the term equals or exceeds mean growth during the previous two terms. Not in that definition is mean growth during the term exceeds mean growth during the previous two terms, right. And this, and, you know, we're sort of splitting hairs here, but I'll give you the numbers. So at the end of uh, 2008, it was 50,154. Obama leaves office and it's 55,165. So it's a 9.99% gain. It is a simple average or mean of 1.25% GDP per capita growth. Trump, uh, I'll skip on on giving you the details, you know, all the details, but it's, Plus one point nine seven, that includes uh, Thursday's print on GDP of positive, you know, pretty positive number, mm-hmm. and the mean is zero point five three percent. So if it's mean to mean, uh, he loses this check to Biden, right? Um, if it's simple, you know, cumulative gain of one point nine percent over one point two five percent, Trump gets it. I I don't see how it could be
1: not average to average, but. Well, it, 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 it looks, I mean, we discussed this, and I, I think that to compare it, um, a fair comparison um, is mean to mean. However, maybe it's not meant to be fairly compared. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe it's not. I don't know. I would be inclined to compare it mean to mean. Um, and so the the reason this matters, of course, is if we compare it mean to mean uh or we don't, it changes the result
0: that's right that's exactly right so either either this one, so I'll just give the audience a a quick uh a quick tally of where we are. so if we have charismatic incumbent and then we say strong uh long term economy, that's eight to five. If we move, meaning, remember, if if uh, six or more are false, the challenger wins. Biden wins. So, if we move just, actually, if we move one of those two, it goes seven six. So Biden, according to the keys, Biden is going to be the president. Um, if if you move both, it's uh, six to seven, meaning Biden. So, I.
1: I mean, yeah. I, you, you, to which way do you wish to interpret it? I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a clear call in this case. And I, I think just it's more fair and it makes more sense to compare mean to mean, um, which is what I would probably do. And if you do that, then, well, it, it, you know, things tip toward Biden.
0: Uh, so according to the and and he's reclarified this. This is for the electoral college, not the, it used to be just the popular vote. So we'd say six are false. So according to the thirteen keys, Biden is your next president. But let's look at the map. Right. Let's look at the. Uh, I do like the thirteen keys, and it's uh, it, it is kind of a fact. I anyway, we could pick apart the thirteen keys all day. Let me sure. go to the map. Let me go to the presidential map, and if we look at the uh, the map, and I just want to let me reset my map here. Um, To set the stage, you need 270 electoral votes to win. Mm -hmm. And according to the consensus, uh, there's one, two... There's a bunch of states outstanding, but 270 to win has Biden already with 290 Mm -hmm. and Trump at 163. So they're assuming that Biden wins Arizona, all of the... Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and in Mm -hmm. which case... um, He's your president. So right. can we assume, so I, I guess the, a better way to do this would be, um, could we assume that Ohio goes to Trump? Because really the discussion's more about the the Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania, right. right? So
1: I think you can you can readily color in these following states for Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, and, and failure to achieve any of these, by the way, that I'm about to mention is um, catastrophe. Yes. Uh, for the Trump campaign. So, but we're going to make the the assumption that they're going to manage to pull out the following, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, and Iowa. All right. 290 to
0: 247.
1: Right. Um, Again, failure to achieve any of the states we just mentioned, uh, there is no path forward.
0: And I'll even I'll even give Trump so they've given Biden the one electoral vote in Nebraska.
1: No, that goes to Trump. And, okay, and, Biden, well, we, we should, and Biden takes the extra one in 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 Maine.
0: Okay. On my map, I've got him the opposite, but I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh 290 to 248 is right. what we've got. So
1: still a Biden
0: win. <laughs> yeah, I mean the path is much easier for Biden here, for for sure. Um and so given that Biden has um, so th- this will be an interesting one. Let's, let's start with Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania is mm-hmm. interesting because our map right now— Well, um, first, I
1: think—I want to do one thing first. Sure. Let, let's, let's flip some states to what they really are, which is undecided, as opposed to leaning a certain direction. I think the states that have to be taken from leans Democrat to undecided are Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan— wisconsin and minnesota
0: i'm not as big believer in minnesota being on the side but we we should discuss
1: it's 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 a mark i think depending what polls you look at it it's it's uh biden may only be up there by three or four percent fair enough uh which is you know margin of error which for minnesota i grant you is is close uh, but it's the least of the ones mentioned to be sure but let's start in your home state of arizona you know more about that than i do what do you think
0: It's, uh, I think it's trending back towards Trump and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where I don't think McSally pulls it out. I think this is, is becoming a coin flip, which Mm -hmm. means it's going to, it's going to turn on turnout. Right. Um, Trafalgar recently, we'll check the Trafalgar poll. Um, they recently did a poll and I think it was pretty much a dead heat. I'd have to pull up. I think uh, you are correct. Um, and remember, Trafalgar, uh take their poll and probably take a you know zero point eight away from it. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but I read in the in the newspaper locally um, they're saying it's it's pretty much um, pretty much a dead heat at this point. I, I, I would at, agree. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know if you look at the and we're certain. By the way, it's going to be hot on election day, but it's going to be like sunny with Mm -hmm. like no wind. So it's, and by the way, hot is all relative. 90 for us (laughs) is like 70 for somebody else. That's right. Um, But I I think in the polls uh, with four days to go, they have Biden plus four, Mm -hmm. um, but it had gotten down to Biden plus 0.9. Right. So for our argument's sake, I can give this
1: to uh to Trump. I think of all of these we've just you know put into toss up, I think this one has a very decent chance of falling into the Trump column.
0: So that's 11 electoral votes, uh that would make it 259 to 223 with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Now,
1: let's go to Minnesota of these 5 the least likely to end up in the in the Trump column and the only reason I wanted to highlight it is because that Trump is doing surprisingly well there. I mean, normally, this is uh, absolute uh, bedrock for Democrats. And uh, for him to be running as close as he is in Minnesota, I think is interesting. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I think Minnesota does go for Biden. Uh, but I, I point out that it has been a bit more of a race there, I think, than, than the Biden team would have liked.
0: Uh, Trafalgar has it forty five point nine to forty three point seven Biden over Trump. Other polls I've seen are, are you know Biden plus nine, sure. plus seven. Uh, Kanye West is getting three point three percent of the vote there, and, yeah. and uh, Joanna jo- Joe Jorgensen's getting two two percent, and then someone else, whoever someone else is zero point eight. By the way, somebody they should remember the uh, uh, the Richard Pryor movie where yeah.
1: None of the above. Money. None
0: of the above, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of these, somebody's got to put none of the above. Maybe we'd be, I'll be better off. But right. uh, I think Minnesota is uh, going to go blue for sure. our, our purpose. Um,
1: you good so with now, that? So now now we're at 233, 259. Uh, advantage Trump so far. But let's just keep moving to the right. He,
0: he needs 11. So Trump would need 11 right. and Biden would need
1: 37. Right. So, so let's go to Wisconsin. Now, remember last time I said that if, if Trump had any path at all, that it, it relied on him being able to turn Wisconsin. Yes. And, you know, can, can he actually do that? Now we're much further down the road. We have a lot more data, uh, to look at, um, You know, uh, recent Wisconsin polling uh, says it is basically, assuming you look at the Trafalgar poll, and other polls, not just Trafalgar, have Wisconsin very close. Not as close as perhaps Trafalgar does, but Trafalgar has it um, uh, basically uh, less than a percent. It's a dead heat, call it, in Wisconsin.
0: The average is plus six, uh, but that includes, you know, mid-October polls. Sure. Susquehanna had him tied. Fox News had right. Biden plus
1: five. Right. So I think, I think <coughs> yep. and, and keep in mind that at this point in the cycle last time uh, in all these swing states we're mentioning, on average, Hillary Clinton was up over five percent, closer to six percent. And right now, on average, Biden is up around three percent. So he's underperforming uh, relative to 2016, if that means anything at all. Uh, to where Clinton was.
0: Actually, let's let's stop on that point for a second before we get it to our predictions, because I, I think I think you bring up a good point to to sort of delve into a little bit. And Real Clear Politics has the Real Clear Politics average, an average of a bunch of polls. They have Clinton, uh, they have four years ago either Clinton or Trump, and then they have the result. And so, for example, Minnesota, uh, even though we you know we just said that's going to go blue, four years ago Clinton was plus six. Biden is plus 4.7. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clinton took it, plus 1.5. Right. Squeaker. Uh, Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin, Trump won that state last time, plus mm-hmm. 0. 0.7. Right. Clinton was 5.5. 5. Biden is plus 6.4. So he's, he's outperforming a little bit, although recently, as you said, the, the polls have gone. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, and, and by the way, Arizona is a tie, now, right, where four years ago Trump was plus four. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this one now the the map is I mean, pretty much the way it goes is we've got three states, but we've got uh, 10 in Wisconsin, 16 in, in Michigan, 20. Yep. So Trump would need 11.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Biden would need, you know, if we give Biden Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, he would be 26 short
1: right and, and, and i the here yeah <laughs> exactly and I, I think if uh i think it's likely although narrowly that biden could win uh wisconsin uh so my 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 call may not pan out there but it's going to be uh i think it's gonna be once again very close very very close in wisconsin i think maybe biden does pull this out in wisconsin but it's going to be um you know by a a a one-ish percent margin
0: yeah okay wisconsin biden which makes it 243 to 259 yeah we have michigan
1: and pennsylvania this is where it gets very tough yeah uh depending on what polls you want to look at um lots of anecdotal evidence from people on the ground you know i don't know much about michigan politics uh, beyond what i read in the papers like everybody else um but if you look at the polls there um and the number of times the biden campaign when they venture out at all uh have have uh, appeared in michigan and and trump etc michigan's very much in play um and i think whoever picks it is going to pick it up narrowly and i think that if you're trump if you're the trump campaign obviously Winning either one of these states, um, you know, you win Michigan, uh, you're 275 and, and you're in. Okay. You win Pennsylvania, uh, obviously, you're at 279 and you're in. So if Trump wins either one of these states, Michigan or Pennsylvania, he wins. Um, now, how likely is that? Well, gee, I, I, I don't know. All I know is that it's going to be extremely close like it was last time. Last time, the reason the polls—and I'm not a huge fan of polls, I should say—and I'm certainly not a, you know, trying to put forward just you know uh, uh, the Trafalgar viewpoint here, but they do have the benefit of being one of the few polling uh, groups that were actually correct last time, uh, and were correct in 18, um, where everyone else wasn't. Now. As Derek and I have discussed uh, to great length offline, someone is very wrong. Yes. Someone is very wrong. And is it, you know, the Trafalgar and Susquehanna and, and people that that put out polls that don't have Biden, you know, leading by these uh you know very fat margins? Uh, Or is it the other guys who are the upstarts who were right last time? Well, you know, there's no way to know that, honestly, until people vote. But the only way you can attempt to see through and judge those things is through anecdotal evidence. And I've read several articles the last few days. One just this morning was, I think, from the New York Times. And they were on the ground in Pennsylvania. And it says that, you know, Biden's ahead in the polls in Pennsylvania with an asterisk, but you sure as hell wouldn't know it from being here. Hmm.
0: It's interesting. It's, um, I think you're right. One of the polls is wrong. One is right. And essentially that will decide the election. I mean, Wisconsin, uh, not sorry, Michigan and Pennsylvania. They will decide the election. Yeah, and right. Arizona. I mean so to and, me it's this triangle.
1: But, but 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 again, yeah. you're right. If, if Trump if Trump now Trump can lose Arizona to Biden. If he wins Mich- if he wins Michigan and Pennsylvania. Or or, or, or if, if he if he uh but he needs both at that point, if he drops Arizona. He needs so to win Arizona,
0: he Michigan. Needs win, he needs to win both been. Michigan and Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it comes down to comes down to those 3. Of of, um, all, of, of course, all of these yeah.
1: states, I think he has the biggest chance to win Michigan. Let's
0: give him Michigan. Let's give Biden Pennsylvania. It would be 275 to 263. Yeah. Uh if you go and you give back the one electoral vote and well, uh yours was Nebraska, mine was yeah. Maine. It doesn't matter what <laughs> because the <laughs> the, 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 poll- the
1: Trafalgar Michigan poll came out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, And it has Trump ahead for what this is worth uh, 46.5 to Biden at 45. And they had another leaning Trump of 2.6%. Again, polls are not predicted, they're snapshots in time. But this is a snapshot in time within a stone's throw of an election. So Arizona,
0: um, Michigan, Biden gets Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. Trump wins re-election 275 yeah. to two sixty. And, and, and
1: Biden will win the popular vote on about the same order Hillary did. Um, now, keep, keep in mind, here's some more interesting factoid stuff that only weirdos like Derek and I look at. Yeah. Every day, I have been looking at the last several days, the Florida Board of Elections and their tally of, of uh, early vote. And they label them, some as Democrat, some as Republican, and how they come by this, because do you know what the ballot says? No, you don't, because you can't open it and tally it until election day. But uh, they base this on, in, in some states, you have to declare you know, your party affiliation. Now, you can declare in Florida, I'm a Democrat, and still on your ballot, vote for Trump, and, and vice versa, right? So... Uh, at any rate, take that. My point in saying that is take it with a grain of salt. But historically, Democrats vote early, right? They vote absentee and they vote early. Republicans vote on election day by and large, and that will be more true this year. My point in saying all this is in Florida. Historically, for Democrats to feel comfortable about winning, they like to be ahead in early voting by about six hundred thousand votes. Okay. As of last night they were only ahead a hundred and fifty thousand interesting you're so, right only
0: only you would know that
1: <laughs> yes yeah. so, so they, they're only and the reason I'm focusing on Florida here is that uh, if by if if Tuesday night at 1030 uh, p.m. Central time uh, Florida's called for Biden well I don't if Trump can win Pennsylvania it doesn't matter I mean, the, the wheels come off, and there's nothing that can happen. Trump would have to run the Rust Belt. He'd have to run the table, and as you and I have discussed, uh, you don't you don't draw the royal flush like that.
0: No. To to give you just the number, let's say Trump wins Pennsylvania and Biden wins Florida. It's two seventy two to two sixty six. Biden's your next president. Yeah. So it all runs. And we're assuming Florida just because some of the poll, a lot of the polls say it's tied. Right. And, and in um,
1: Florida, historically, if you look at it. And, and Trump being the incumbent, again, the power of incumbency is huge. Uh, don't forget that, that historically in Florida elections, if you are the incumbent and you go into election day and the polls are tied, the incumbent typically wins.
0: This is going to come down to I'll give you some numbers, the audience uh, a couple of numbers too. And I'm going to go to to the turnout. Um, nobody really knows what the turnout's going to be. Um, and if you believe, so I, I pulled some some numbers here. In 2016, 55.5% of the voting age public, so that's not eligible voters, that's just the voting age public, mm-hmm. um, they cast a ballot. That's 138.8 million. Right. Uh, 2012, 54.9, 129 million. Uh, that was a down election, presidential. And then, uh, you know, 2008, that was the highest, and that was President Obama's first term. Um, really good Democratic turnout there, 57.1%. So a lot of this will come down to turnout. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last uh, midterm election, it was the highest turnout for a midterm since, I'm going to guess, early 70s, late 60s. But even Obama's first term, uh, that turnout did not exceed the turnout from that same period, you know, kind of late 60s, early 70s. So I think this, you know... um, if you listen to really smart political consultants, dumb people like me would say, hey, wouldn't it be great if you can get the people and never vote? And their comment to me would be, they, they don't vote. You have to get your base to turn out.
1: Yeah. They, yeah. They would tell you, no, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to get your people to the polls. And interestingly, in, in 16, you know, they had the, the Democrats um, had one of the largest get out the, the vote operations in history to get people to the polls. And there were, you know, uh, very few Democrats, you know, they, they, they had a huge drop off in support and enthusiasm for Clinton. Part of it could have been also that they figured if you look at all the numbers at the time, well, Hillary had this in the bag and a lot of people may not have voted because you know, they didn't, weren't excited about Hillary for whatever reason, Or they figured, ah, it's raining. She's going to win in a walk. I'm not going to bother. And a couple of weeks, a couple of weekends ago, the Biden campaign came out and said, look, guys, we're not up by 10 or whatever percent nationally. These national polls are inflated. Please ignore these numbers and vote. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: No, I mean, if, and if, and then you're right. I mean, that's, uh, they need the turnout. Um, It is, by the way, Nate Silver, I got to give Nate uh, Silver credit, runs 538. He made the point, you know, a lot of the Hillary Clinton campaign took a lot of flack for, uh, I don't necessarily want to relitigate that you know campaign, but for not campaigning in Michigan and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he made the point that she campaigned an awful lot in Pennsylvania. She did. And she could have won Michigan and Wisconsin and still lost the election last time.
1: That's very True. and, and, so, and you know, people like to blaster for that. But, you know, if, if you lose, again, Pennsylvania, just like Florida, assuming Trump can keep Florida, which is the mother of all swing states, right? That's the, that's the biggest one. 29 electoral votes. Jeff. That's the big one. And so if, if if Trump wins Florida and these other states we mentioned, he must have. They, uh, it's great. See, Trump has no room for error, really. And we talked about this last time. Last time, Derek and I said, Hillary's got it in the bag. Uh, she's not going to win by the margin, the polls say, because they seem to be crazy. But Trump has to draw the straight flush, uh, and that's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, we both had Hillary Clinton being the, the next president. Uh, both of us time, were wrong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and this time, I have to say, while the balance of probability tells me that it should be Joe Biden? Um, I'm just not sure.
0: Yeah, it's going to come down to turnout. I agree. It's, uh, I wouldn't put any, you know, if somebody said, you got to put money down on this. Uh, no bet. I certainly wouldn't. would have no. Yeah, no, 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 I, no it, bet. Well, I wish that none of the above could, uh, could rise. Right. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> but. That no, means- I agree. I'm going to say, all right, so here's,
1: here's my prediction.
0: I think uh, 275 to 263 Trump, and I'll probably be wrong like I was last time. Well,
1: you know what? But- I, I, I think that, man, it's so, because for that to occur, and I think that could occur. I mean, that could be uh, the outcome. And it would be by, I think, the, the slimmest of margins, as it was last time. You know, last time the, the magic happened for Trump with 87,500 votes across three states. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and do you replicate that? Is that, can, can you pull that hat trick again? Gosh, I just don't know. Um, but if it does happen, I think that the Michigan scenario is the most likely. And, but if Trump, I'll, I'll say it like this. If Trump wins, this will be how he wins it will be it will be this right here the the 275 263 with michigan putting him over the top um i think we will know early on uh the indicators to watch for will be these if trump is winning if he wins in florida greater than the margin of error and that's to say if trump's margin in florida is like three percent um and if his margin in north carolina is three percent um that means his margin in states like Texas will be six, seven, or eight uh, percent. That means more the this silent or submerged, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, silent majority, whatever Trump vote that is lurking out there in some quantity. That means there could be a significant number of these people, and if there are, and there's no way to know this, but if there are, then yes, uh, the most likely of all these states to flip in the Rust Belt. Is Michigan. And by the way,
0: pred- I, I also could before you get to your prediction, my um, I think North Carolina. If that turns, now we've given we've assumed North Carolina, but Biden would win two seventy eight two sixty. That's my right. That's my scenario with everything else going right for Trump.
1: Um, I can see that. I, I agree agreed that of all the states, Trump has to win right now. And he could even win Michigan, but I think the danger is in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you see North Carolina go, that doesn't mean it's curtains for Trump, but that means we're talking in the inside straight again. That means he needs Pennsylvania uh, and and Michigan, or he needs um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah. This is not so easy uh, to do. Uh, but the bellwether, the first bellwether, the first domino is Florida, followed by North Carolina. Now this goes to the you now. Here's and here's what I'll say. The, finally on this, um, I think it is. If there is a Trump victory, it's going to be two seventy five with Trump winning Michigan, and I, I I I think that it's a coin flip, but I think it's very possible that. Uh, that that's the outcome.
0: All right. Um, we'll, now, uh, that's, is that your pick? It is.
1: It is. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm gonna. You and I are both saying it's gonna be Trump this time, and we were we were totally wrong last time.
0: Yeah. So uh, you should probably bet against this. If, if yeah. So if you're of that nature,
1: we've just we've we've just guaranteed a Biden uh, election. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, look but,
0: the the thirteen keys say Biden, right? Um, I think the map is we've we've identified the the circle or the stool of Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, right? Um, um, so yeah, it's. But, so you're telling you tell know, me, I'm not going to get my two sixty nine two sixty nine tie and it no, goes to the house. I, think, I was I, rooting I, for I that. Think,
1: I think you really wanted that one. It's not going to be some, you know. Though I, you, know, I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole, but you know Jefferson's race against Burr went into the House of Representatives and it and it was it took 37 ballots to resolve. And Jefferson ended up winning by a single vote. Um
0: yeah, by the way, uh New Hampshire there's a crazy scenario. I I we already <laughs> we already have uh gone through it, but there is an interesting one if if uh Trump were to get New Hampshire and there's a a mishmash of other that could get you there, but yeah. All right, so we have, we have Trump 275 to 263. The 13 mm-hmm. keys, I believe, say Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so we'll which, which if-
1: tells you, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a race. This is not going to be a Biden blowout, I don't think, nor I think will it be a Trump blowout. Uh, this is going to depend on turnout in key states. And, uh, you know, the first one to watch is Florida. And you can go to bed early because if Biden wins Florida, it's all over.
0: I think, and if, I, I, yeah. I think
1: there's no way to recover if, if Trump loses Florida.
0: And if Robert Cahaley from his Trafalgar group is right again, he's going to have a lot of consulting work on the, the next oh, two he, to four he years. He certainly is.
1: Robert's going to do very well for himself. Uh, yeah. Correct. But the point is with polls, look, someone is really wrong here. And it's, yes. either, it's either Cahaley and his group and, and, and the people in that, in that camp, or it's the, the mass market polls. Someone's very wrong. And the only reason yeah. that we're willing to side a little bit with Cahaley is because he was right. Yeah,
0: last don't time, don't, last, last don't time, make us look foolish, Rob. Yeah,
1: la- last time <laughs> Derek and I ignored him.
0: We did. Uh, we said this guy's, yeah, I don't he, know what he's I, doing.
1: I think I called him a GOP shill. You and, might have, and um, we were wrong. <laughs> so maybe, we'll see.
0: Maybe we'll, I'll send him the link and see if he'll uh,
1: he'll. Come yeah, on me, yeah, change. man, that's true. We should uh, <laughs> see if we can get him to weigh in.
0: Um, By the way, the five thirty-eight forecasts—they uh, of course do the probabilities. I'll remind mm-hmm. everybody. I think the last time um, they had Hillary Clinton winning, sure. but they were one of the few ones who didn't have Trump with a one percent chance. I think he was thirteen percent. Right. They have it. Uh, they have Trump with a 10% chance of winning right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So 90% for Biden. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can go over their site. I'll link to it uh, if you want to take a look Uh, at that. So Nate
1: Silver gets a lot of flack, and he's been very critical of Kahaley and others. Uh, But it's important to keep this in mind. Uh, as, As Silver himself will tell you, he is not a pollster. He is a statistician and a mathematician. Yep. And, and he takes all of these inputs and uh, applies his own analysis to them uh, to come out with uh, you know, the, the data points that he presents. And if, and if the people who are wrong in this scenario are the people that are supplying Nate Silver with data that ends up being erroneous once again, then you know, his output model is going to be wrong.
0: They do a lot. I, I really enjoy their site and I enjoy how they, they collate the, the data. And I've listened to the podcast. So it's, uh, they, by the way, so here's some weird and not so weird po- possibilities. Maybe we'll end with this since we're uh, uh, Biden wins in a landslide. landslide is, mm-hmm. is 29%, mm-hmm. uh, less than 1%. Trump does that. Sure. Um, and then uh, no one wins the electoral college is less than 1%. Right. Um, so there, there's some interesting ones. Uh, the, the election hinges on a recount four in a hundred. Oh, that seems pretty low given. I was going to say that number is really low. (laughs) All right. We'll leave it there. And, uh, you know, look, we'll, we'll see what happens. The good news for the markets is that, uh, you can go back and listen to uh, Spencer and I talk about historical markets, what markets, uh, when they do better or worse. And the reality is there's, there's not much of a difference, and the good news, too, in 2000, it was a contested election. It took a month for Bush v. Gore to uh, to get worked out. And volatility was already high going into that election, and we did not see the markets you know, do something crazy. So when by the time you listen to this next week, maybe not next week, maybe it's going to be a few weeks, but uh, we'll either be uh, really right or wrong, and my guess is we're probably wrong. But Spencer, it's been a pleasure <laughs> having you on. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing your insight. And uh, like we said, we we had the same conversation four years ago. We we just didn't record it. So this time we did. So Spencer, thanks again.
1: Oh, thanks, Derek. I really appreciate it. Um, And we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, I think you're right. Um, We're we're probably wrong again.
0: Okay. With that, folks, please share this. uh, Don't waste time rating, reviewing, and scoring. Just go ahead and share this episode with someone, uh, but share it quickly because the election's coming up. See you all next week. Take care.